Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. I feel like you just gain some extra points right away when you have pasta on the stage. Maybe, maybe that's just for like a Marish family, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's, that's a bonus. And so uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about what that, what that means. But um, for now, you just get to kind of wonder. So this morning, we are continuing our study on coming back to basics. Last week, we talked about coming back to the basics of baptism and, and what it means and, and why we do it. And this morning, we're coming back to the basics of the communion table. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. it says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Matthew 26, 26 through 29 says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. And I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Have you ever been tired of church? some of the questions we're going to ask today are, are maybe uncomfortable questions, are, are maybe questions that we'd rather not answer. Maybe there are questions that are maybe feeling a little too personal. I'm not looking for an out loud answer. I'm not looking for a show of hands. Have you ever been tired of church? As the person that's standing up here, I can say, sometimes I've been tired of church. Are you tired of church right now? And if so, why? Sometimes there's just this thought of of how great would it be if I could just get a group of people that believe in Jesus and have them sit down at my dining room table and we we just talk about what God is doing in their life and and they tell me what, what God's doing in theirs. And, and we sit there and we praise and we give glory to God for what he's doing in their life and what, what God's doing in my life. And, and we share a meal together and we thank God for his provision. And then you stop for a moment and you think, well, goodness, isn't that what church is supposed to be? And where are we? Sometimes it it, it makes sense to to be tired of doing church the way we are doing it. And that's oftentimes because the things that we are doing tire people out. The things that that happen in Western church sometimes just tire people out. It's, well, we need you to come volunteer for this particular event. And then after that, I need you to come volunteer for this thing. And and I need you to give towards this and give towards that. and, And All of these things are great. All of these things do further the kingdom of God. 
But is that the focus of, of giving so much that you are, are just exhausted and dead tired and unable to function? When was the last time that you had a sense of authenticity with a group of fellow believers? And the answer may very well be this morning, and that's great. But we need to ask the question, what made it authentic? What makes our gatherings authentic? What, what makes them feel that there is nothing being held back? Do you want to experience that? I mean, is that truly what we're after? And the reason I ask is because sometimes the authentic is not comfortable. Sometimes the authentic asks questions that we'd rather not answer. Sometimes the authentic maybe brings up a specific point or a specific area of our life that maybe we'd, we'd rather just keep in the dark. Sometimes if we, we stop and we look around at, at what we as a church are doing, sometimes we can see that possibly important areas are being neglected. If you're looking at, at your history, if you're looking at, at maybe other churches that you've gone to, maybe you're looking at Wood Street Chapel and you say, yeah, there, there was a season where this was neglected in this church. There's a season where, where this has, has been set aside. What kind of things have you seen neglected in the church? There's supposed to be love in the church. A new commandment I give to you. You're to love one another. But just as long as they're lovely. You're to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another, John 13, 34. What does it look like for a church to love one another? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, who is my neighbor? We, we t spent a lot of time on this question a few weeks ago. Who is my neighbor? You all get to be my neighbor. But we have other neighbors. Maybe your neighbor is, is that coworker that drives you crazy. Maybe your neighbor is that cousin who we just don't like to really talk about. Maybe your neighbor is that person that's hurting that you walk by on the side of the street every single day. Who is your neighbor? Now the uncomfortable question. 
how am I doing loving that neighbor? How am I doing loving my neighbor as myself? And has that been the focus of my personal pursuit and journey with Jesus Christ? And has that been the outward, external focus of Wood Street Chapel as a whole? There have been times that that has stumbled. We at Wood Street Chapel get a lot of things right, and I I really don't want this to be a a conversation of how terrible we are. (laughs) That's not what this is about at all. But we have to ask the question, are we missing the point in some areas? And if so, how do we adjust? And the more that I was studying communion, the more that I was was looking at at what the intent behind it was, the more that I, I saw the context that it was demonstrated for us, I think that's an area where we can grow. That's an area where we can see some growth. If we come back to basics... If we look at anybody that has any type of church experience and they, they look at the, the church experience that they have today, they, they start asking the question, well, why can't we have that kind of church that happened right after the Holy Spirit came in and uh, fell upon the, the disciples in the upper room? Why can't we have that kind of church today? Why can't we have that kind of church where believers came and they shared their needs and they met each other's needs with the the provision that they were given? Why can't we have that kind of church where the Holy Spirit moves and there's healing in their midst? Why can't we have that kind of church? And the answer is we can. We can absolutely have that kind of church because right here it says right on this wall, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can. How do we become more and more like what God has called us to be? We find what's unbiblical and we move towards what is. That's how. It, you'd like to think that maybe there's like this, this huge long formula, of like 20 page document that we have to follow in order to figure out how to do what God has asked us to do. And the fact of the matter is that's not the case at all. The fact of the matter is we find what is unbiblical, what is, is just creating noise, and we move towards the biblical. What do you long for in a church experience? That sounds so, so weird to ask. Probably because most of us have never been asked. What do you long for? When you see the unbiblical taking place in church, do you, do you strive to get rid of it?
sometimes when, when we are so set in a way, it's hard to change. The, the best answer when you get questioned about a, a, a practice, you get questioned about why something is the way it is, to say, well, that's just the way we've always done it. <laughs> as soon as I hear that as the answer, all sorts of red flags go up. All sorts of bells start ringing, and I say, well, okay, well, let's, let's take a look at that. I'm, for those of you that don't know, I'm the director in an IT company, and, and we do a lot of integrations of other businesses into our business. And so it's a lot of looking at processes, and it's a lot of looking at, at how this particular process gets done and, and who's doing it and why they're doing it. And as soon as I hear that, well, that's just the way we've always done it, then that immediately for me says, well, let's take a look at that. Let's see if there's a better way we can do that. Let's see if there's maybe, do we even need to be doing that? And you would be astonished at how often the answer is, nope, we don't need to be doing that. First Corinthians 11 says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. So then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private supper. And as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and, and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humili humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it's not result, it may not result in judgment. So this is where we stop for a minute and we look at what were they doing and how does this translate to the directive that we've been given? Because make, make no mistake, we have been given a directive. There has been a command that has been given to us that we are to do, we are to observe communion until the Lord comes. What did this look like back then? It looked like a group of people coming together, sharing a meal. What was God's intention? Because I, I don't want to just assume that because we got everybody here on a Sunday morning, we handed out the little piece of cracker and the swig of juice, that we're doing it right. What was God's intention? When have you felt 
that you were practicing the Lord's Supper? Was there something different about it that, that was maybe different than the times that you've done it here on a Sunday morning? Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to those things. Are you devoted to those things? Am I devoted to those things? Am I devoted to teaching? Am I devoted to fellowship? And spoiler alert, fellowship is a little bit more than, hey, how are you doing this morning? It goes a little deeper than that. It means having relationship. It means knowing what the struggles are that that person is facing. And guess what? If that's what fellowship means, that also means you have to share what the struggles are that you're facing. Fine is not a good answer. Fine is not a good answer. If I expect my brothers and sisters in Christ to do life with me, to support me, to, to encourage me, then I need to let them know that I need encouragement. What are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? What is the focus of your life? And the tricky follow-up question, are the things that you're devoted to biblical? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want that. I want that relationship with you. I want that growth within this church body. I want numbers to be added to us daily. How often do you gather with other believers and and stop and, and do life together with a glad and sincere heart? How often do I gather, do I, do I meet with someone else who is a follower of Christ and say, I just need to praise God for what he's doing in my life. What's he doing in yours? What needs exist that I can come in alongside you and pray and, and pull out what the Holy Spirit is doing? I know that the, the back to basic that we're supposed to be talking about is communion this morning. And I, I hope you're starting to see that, that maybe communion is a little bit broader than this. The, the intent, the directive that has been given to me as a follower of Christ is a little bit more than this little cup of juice.
You know, it never really bothered me until yesterday that the only way that I have ever taken communion is sitting either forward or sitting this way looking back. We, we pass around the plate with the bread or you open up and you have your little wafer that doesn't taste like anything or maybe just styrofoam, I don't know. Um, you crack open the juice that has so many preservatives in it that it's probably kind of like wine at that point. And, and that's the end. And, and I want to be very clear again. God has used the way that we have done communion in the past, and he's going to continue to do it going forward. This is going to be, still be a process that we follow, but there's some more to it that I think we have been missing. If we look at Scripture, if we look at the Word of God, which is what we're supposed to be building our, our template from, what does it look like? It's intimate. It's a, a beautiful picture of completion. And really, completion is, is I think, one of the best words to, to think about when it comes to communion because it is taking what was, the, the old covenant, that promise, and it is fulfilling it in every way. Those words, it is finished. completion and the introduction of something new. How does communion that I am participating in, how does it, it translate to intimate? How does, does this cup translate to beauty? If the words intimate and the words beautiful don't come to mind when you're thinking about communion, what does? Do you want something more? When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, and I love this part. have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. not taken from me, given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. My command to you is this, love one another the way I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their life for one's friend. That's communion. That, that is the, the heart of God for his people. I have eagerly awaited to go and have nails driven through my hands to go and be humiliated publicly on a cross so that you could be with me for all of eternity. Is that the focus of our communion? We look at at the church model that, that is being portrayed in the book of Acts. We look at, at the church model that's being portrayed after Jesus' death and resurrection. It's simple. Is there a reason we can't have simplicity in our life? Most of the time, the reason I can't have simplicity in my life is because of me. Most of the time, I'm the, I am the, the one introducing the complexity. I'm the one introducing the complications. I'm the one introducing the problems. And God, what are you doing? And while this idea of, of getting back to basics is attractive, there's a scary side that comes with it, and, and that's this, is that in the, the old way of doing church before we, we get back to the basics is you could hide. You could show up and you could volunteer in a, in a nursery class. You could show up and maybe sit in the back row and just sing quietly. And as soon as church was done, you could run as fast as you could out the front doors and get to the, the car and say, I made it through another week. But this kind of church involves relationship. This kind of church involves transparency. Ooh, we don't like that word. This kind of church involves, here's another word we don't like, accountability. In what ways have you found yourself hiding in the church? In what ways have I been building my own kingdom? You're not here this morning to become a follower of Matt Marish. Thank goodness. <laughs> you are here, and I am here because we are going to be, we are living and striving and growing to become better followers of Christ. But in order to do that, it requires commitment. 
24-7 life change. It's not a, well, when you made it here 10 o'clock on a Sunday, made it through to 11, I feel changed, transformed, and ready to get back to my old life. That just doesn't seem very effective to me. And I would suspect that God is looking for more than just that one hour of my life. How much, I mean, we just got done singing it. Hallelujah, you have saved me. So much better his way. It seemed natural that on the, the Sunday that we are, are studying communion that, that we would maybe have communion on, on a Sunday morning. And you'll notice there's no, there's no cups on your table. There's no styrofoam wafer. Maybe if I had been a more with it pastor, I would have strategically placed this one on the the first Sunday of the month and then it would have lined up correctly. But I I think there's something else that, that we have discovered this morning. And that's not that taking communion the way that we've taken it is bad or wrong. The way that we have participated in communion up to this point has been completely acceptable and completely appropriate. It depends on the heart. Just like we talked about baptism yesterday or last week, it depends on the heart. There is not a, a external representation that is going to impact how much God loves me. but the intent behind communion is a two-part process. The, the relationship with God, the recognition of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on a cross for my sins, for my life, and a horizontal community relationship recognizing that I am a part of the body of Christ. And because of that, I have a responsibility and one could possibly argue a privilege to participate in communion with each of you. We have homework today. And you get a whole month before you have to turn it in. You don't have to turn anything in. I'm just teasing. Um, Before you leave this place today, I would like you to make an appointment with another person in this room to sit down, to break bread, and to do life, and to ask What is Jesus Christ doing in your life? And this is what he's doing in mine. This is an area that I need prayer 
How can I pray for you? And for some of you, that's going to be scary. For some of you, that's going to be awkward. But that's not how we do church, Matt. We do, we do church here in these four walls. I have one other little asterisk I need to put on this assignment. This is not to be somebody that you would hang out with any other part of the day. It's not, not to be somebody from your social group who, who is already at your house. I'm looking for intentionality. And if that represents a hardship as far as being able to, to have the time to go grocery shopping, if it's an issue of, of how to, maybe you don't have the resources to be able to feed somebody else, I have your dinner right here. <laughs> I'm not looking for five courses. I'm not looking for the four seasons. A bowl of spaghetti will work just fine. Heavenly Father, we thank you We thank you that you love us, that you love us unconditionally. You loved us enough to take us to, to go to the cross. You conquered sin, you conquered death, you conquered the grave, and we celebrate that through the observing of communion. And God, as we, we come this morning and we recognize that sacrifice, Lord, this morning we want to once again come back to basics. So often we have overcomplicated the, the processes and the, the teachings that we've been given. So often we have taken communion and we have turned it into something other than what you have made it. God, this morning we, we commit to returning communion to a place of beauty, returning communion to a place of intimacy. Having an authentic relationship with one another and then from there, having an authentic relationship with you. As we go from this place, Lord, I ask that, Holy Spirit, you would inspire, that you would pair people that, that do not have a relationship, that you would use this opportunity to strengthen the bonds of family, that you would use this as an opportunity to change lives and to change hearts. God, you can use a bowl of spaghetti to do that. You can use me. You can use every single one of us here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 